Welcome back to the program. Let's begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Carrie, I feel like we should begin with the St. Andrew Novena prayer. We've been praying that, well, every day uh, during our Advent, uh, 15 times a day. Uh, I'm just, I'm not going to put you on the spot, dear. Uh, let's start with the prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you in Jesus' holy name, and we do thank you for the gift of our lives, the gift of our faith, Lord, for the new life that comes to us through your Son, being born in this world and being transformed by uh, the gift of our faith, the gift of baptism. And so, Lord, we ask that you would continue to set free the, the life of the new creation in us, that we would live our lives, Lord, as children of God and that that would shine forth more fully. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, Carrie, today we're going to do something theological. Did you know that? I know we're going to talk about life skills, and uh, we're basing it on an article uh, called 16 Life Skills Your Kids Will Need. That's actually, there's a theology here. You know what the theology is? No. Grace builds on nature. Grace builds on nature. Do you know what that means? Grace builds on nature means that when God is going to form his life in us, when we're going to manifest uh, specific ways in which Christ shines through our lives, through our faith, it's going to be resting on, rooted in, uh, deeply connected to the human nature he's given to us. And so, for instance, women who have a particularly strong intuition, when they're baptized, the gifts of the Holy Spirit come alive in them, they will have a much deeper sensitivity to, um, to what the, where the Lord is at work in situations. So it's grace building on nature. And, and so today we're actually going to go backwards in our Advent. We're going to talk about life skills, uh, skills that our kids need to learn not specifically to be Christian, to be followers of Christ, but if they do these things well, if they also do these things, they're going to be good citizens. They're going to be good human beings in a way that is going to uh, be very advantageous, really help them uh, in living out their life of faith. Um, does that make sense? Yep. You're looking at me. No. Well, I think part of it is this, is that one of the traditional ways of talking about becoming a saint for the laity, for us, the lay people, is that you become a saint by fulfilling the duties of your state in life. You've heard that phrase before, right? Yeah. So fulfilling the duties of your state in life, we are called, and in particular I, as, a, as the husband, am called to lead, provide, and protect our family. And so if I'm going to provide and protect and lead my family, then there are a lot of just purely human things that we need to get right, things that we need to get in order if we're going to lead our family well. And the same is true for the wife and mother. So um, what we decided to do, and oh, do you want to tell the story of why we went down this trail, how we came up with this theme for today? Are you talking about Today when we were going to Mass. Yeah. We... Yeah. So on the yesterday on the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, we were driving to Mass. And uh, go ahead. You can tell the well, story. Well, <laughs> it's not really a story. Uh, our son just had noticed that I was going straight, and he thought that I needed to turn. 
And so he was paying attention to road signs and where we were. And I've never had him reference, oh, mom, you go this way, you go that way. He usually is in his mind or he doesn't really pay attention to direction, but because he just started talking, driving in the last couple of months, he's starting to realize, oh, this is how you get places. And I've never really helped him maneuver like where we are because there's several kids that just know where we are. They have good sense of direction. But I think for him, it's almost like he, I never intentionally taught him how to find his way around. And because we moved to a whole new town, it's even more tricky for some of those kids who lack a sense of direction. And it was interesting, now I'm going to make it a story, that I was talking to a mom at a party a few months, a few weeks back. And she said that when she drives with her kids, she actually will say, oh, this is where you go left. And then if you keep going straight there, you run into you know, this freeway or this highway, or whenever you come down this hill, you have to be really careful because there's, you know, certain kind of traffic flow that could be dangerous if you're trying to cross or whatnot. And I never, <laughs> I never reference those kind of talking points when I'm driving with my kids, which I thought was so interesting is that she always is doing it, she said. And so just what comes naturally to me as far as that is not there. I mean, I do it in other ways. Yeah, it's it's a kind of human formation, right? There are going to be some gaps in human formation. I think we emphasize a lot things like... <laughs> well, no. I emphasize how you don't get carsick. Don't step on the brake, come to a slow stop, look ahead if the light's green. You can maintain if it's yellow or red, you don't need to speed up. I'm more like talking the practicality of driving so that it's smooth and graceful. Uh, yeah, I, I wasn't even thinking driving. I was thinking, all right, kids, we're going into this house and there's a party here. What's the first thing you do? You know, so human formation. We do the more manners. Well, or kindness. Like, how do you behave? How yeah, do you relate? Virtuous how, living. Yes, how are you? sort of pragmatic living. Yes, how are you in relationships with each other? How do you forgive? How do you um, take turns talking? Not interrupt. <laughs> How do you affirm? Hold on, let me just keep talking. <laughs> Encourage. So those I think are, I would almost think are harder to teach because you need a lot of practice at it. Whereas the things you're talking about, I I don't know, like my mom, I remember, I have some memories of her teaching me specific things, but I also picked up things as I went. And then nowadays, I just use the phone and Google and YouTube. Well, and Carrie, the, just to dive right in, these 16 skills, we don't know what's on the list, but I did look at the first two. So the first two of these skills are understand money management, and the other one was um, know how to cook. And uh, are you surprised that those two are the top two on the list? No. That's I mean, it makes, what I would... It makes great sense on the one hand, because you're going to eat every day, and you're going to um, have to deal with money. I think those would be the two most important after relational skills. Well, I mean, we, I think we emphasize more like spiritual things. How do you pray? Right. Uh, when I was trying to think of the skills that, cause we said, let's come up with our own list. You do, do you want to know the first one I came up with? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Know how to be present. I know that's just so, it's so obscure, right? It's know how to be present, know how to be silent, know how to be contemplative, know how to be in a stance of wonder. I don't think that's what 
I didn't think that's what you were talking about. I, I thought know, we were I talking know. about practical. Yeah. See, this is the problem. You is keep that going to. I, well, and I think that the most practical thing you can do is learn how to be contemplative. <laughs> I know that sounds crazy, but that's the philosopher in me. That's that sense of saying, if you don't know how to be still in front of a moment, how will you know what the right practical thing to do is? So for instance, just as a, I'm going to, I'm going to make my case, Carrie. If I know how to wonder in front of something, I won't be so quick to say, I know how to do this. I've got it right. No, I'll be willing to go search out many YouTube videos and check on it, look at it, test it. Okay. Is that right? And not just dive in and think, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to get this right. So You've already lost me. <laughs> you lost me at hello. No, how to, okay. Let's go back to the list. Okay, let's go back to the list. <laughs> I'm just like, what the? <laughs> All right, I understand money management. Well, what have you? Have we? What have we done to help our kids with that? Um, we taught them how to buy lottery tickets. And <laughs> you're so funny. They get to hear us kind of have the arguments around. Do we have a budget? Are we going to have a budget? Um, which has been a, I think in. A, uh, a perennial thing for us because my my work, whether it was in ministry or as a consultant doing coaching work, it's the hardest thing. It's it's I don't make a, a W-2 at the end of the week or the end of the month. We know how much money I'm taking in. And so... This sounds like an excuse. See? There it is. See, <laughs> sorry. And, and this is what we've conveyed to the, to the kids. It's like, this, I don't know how much I make. No budget. <laughs> I didn't say that. I didn't say you That's don't have I, a budget. See, this is what you heard. This is what you heard. I well, Carrie, we've we've only been at this for twenty eight years. So. I it was so funny. I was in a, a per group or a share group, and um, I said to them, "Yeah, we just my husband and I we just can't talk about finances because there's just too many. It, it falls into the rut. There's those conversations where you know, after a certain amount of time, it just gets stuck like in a cre- crevasse." I want to say crevice, but it's something bigger. You can say both yeah. in a chasm. <laughs> I think there's a few times where we were talking about money, and I said, we just need to have a counselor. I can't talk about this. And it is interesting that um, it is something that is so common in in you know relational uh, conversation, especially as you're married and you're trying to figure out what do you put your time and energy towards or your finances towards. And so there is so much that you talk about regarding finances, or to do it healthily, I guess. Well, here's the thing. You talk about money management, all of a sudden, you back into career immediately. Because managing money is associated with what kind of job do you have and how much money do you make. So there are principles of money management. You you know, know how much you're spending, know how much you bring in, how do you live within your means, right? All of that. We did that. Very early on. We did the Dave Ramsey. Financial Peace University. <laughs> and we spent, I mean, we did spend many years getting out of debt before we had children. Um, and <laughs> we need to do it again. I don't know. It's, so just regarding that whole thing, I think it's more for our kids. So our son has a debit card that acts like a credit card. Right, Tom? Doesn't it? Um, you like, can use you can use it like that. It's not a credit card. It's like a he, debit card. Yeah, it's it's from his, his savings, and he didn't realize 
that our um, account has overlap uh, coverage. So if he overdraws his account, our checking account will cover him. So he just kept spending money and <laughs> taking out money and filling the car with gas or going out with his friends for food. And he didn't realize that there was a limit because it kept covering it. And until a couple of weeks went by and I looked in the checking account, I go, John Mark, <laughs> you actually have a limit to how much money. He's like, oh, I didn't know that because... <laughs> so he doesn't even, he doesn't have a checkbook where he tracks everything. It's all like invisible on the internets, on no. the interwebs. Okay, but here's, so this is a, this is a great conversation because, <laughs> like, okay, he's 16 and he has a job. Well, he has these checks that he's never cashed. And, and so I said to him, he said, well, oh, dad, I've got these checks. And I'm like, well, why didn't you deposit them? And he said, well, I, I didn't get to the ATM. And so I said, well, I can do that on my phone. And, and so we learned together uh, how to deposit a check using the app. But one of the things that showed up was he didn't know how to sign a check. Oh, that's right. So Remember? he got one of his checks... Didn't process? No, no, it, it did. It processed. It, it, I think it processed because it was his debit card and it was at a Boeing ATM, a BECU ATM. I so, feel like this is so elementary. Well, this is the point, though, <laughs> yes, right? Well, it's going to take forever. Oh. Yeah. So basic things like, hey, when you get paid, you get paid such and such, and then you track the check, you sign it, you endorse it, and here's where you, you sign it up here, and then you have to put these words on it, then you take a picture of it, and then you submit it, and then it's going to, and he says, well, hey, how come my account didn't go up that much? And I'm like, oh, like, so let's say he had $50 in there and he put in $200, but it only gave him credit for 50 more dollars. And I said, oh, well, that's because of the policy of the bank. They won't give you access to your money until it clears. And he's like, wait a minute. And so all of a sudden I got into banking with him. So a very simple thing like when you work, you make money. You have to learn how to deposit the money, manage and track that money, and then understand how banks are involved in holding your money. So these are things that if you stop and say, if we don't teach the kids, how are they going to learn? But then that just stands in front of much bigger things. Regarding finances? Yeah, finances. Like I, my, we have a daughter that um, has, doesn't have a car. But she has to work. And so she's been having to rely on friends and family or Uber to get to work or when she you know, has to go someplace. And what we did was I said, let's, let's budget out what it would cost to own a car. And so we talked about the monthly payment, gas, uh, and then we talked about insurance. And we talked about if there's going to be some kind of fixes or repairs or things like that. Sure. Maintenance. And all of a sudden it was like, you could actually spend $20 a week on uh, $20 a day on Uber and spend less than if you owned a car. And it was just sort of eye-opening. All right, back in a minute. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Kern. I'm with my wife, Carrie. This is uh, Faith and Family Friday edition, and we're talking about life skills. Carrie, I don't know if we're going to get through 16. We're still on the first one, and I feel like we're on 1A about understanding how to use my understanding money, right? Because I think that for, for parents, it, hey, parents, you've got kids, planning for education expense is a huge deal. It's a huge deal. And how do you save money so that you can support your kids 
with regards to college education in what way? Well, that's a strategy, right? Uh, we, I know there, we have some of our friends who have said, well, I'm going to pay for them to get, get through their bachelor's degree. Um, or I'll pay for them to get through the first two years of college. Um, and that's not been our strategy. Well, and I think some of them have also said, we're going to a state school. We're not going to go to a private school. Right. And I think our or kids... community college or running start, right? There are all those. I'm sorry, I cut you off. No, I just, I guess there's so many options and it's such a long discussion. And I, I feel like we're still figuring it out. And I think, but and the point here is, is that we want to get our kids involved, right? So that they don't just think they're going to the bank of mom and dad to say, oh, the tuition payment came up. And so to engage with them and say, okay, what are you contributing and what are we contributing and under what conditions and how are you going to uh, not just, when you're running short, text dad, not mom, text dad and say, I'm going out to dinner, can I have $20? And then I think, Along the lines, know your kids, because yeah. there's many of our some of our kids are super frugal and won't even attempt to do anything extra because they don't want to have debt. And then there's others that are happy to go way beyond what they have and go into debt. You know, there's that whole conversation around when do you give them a credit card just to to build up equity? Because I mean, credit, a credit yes, score, a credit score. And then, um, you know, I listen to Clark Howard. He does all the finance stuff and, you know, how do you, you use your money the best or most wisely and get the best deals. I know that's not his motto, but something like that. And um, he was just talking about the when kids are getting credit cards and the need for it or the reason that you do it, which none of our kids have credit cards. And I feel like, I don't know, we're just not fully engaged in that whole area. It just seems so overwhelming to me. Yeah, I, and I think this is where we bump up against limits. It's like, how many things can you do well? And and you feel like the number one thing on that list, not to manage money, that's a pretty big deal. And I don't know, I, I grade us a C at best. So, <laughs> C, C minus. A C minus. The funny thing is, and this, I don't know if this is interesting, but I think because our kids just started getting jobs last year and the, and the year before, except for Mary Grace, um, a lot of them just felt free to spend their money however, and they weren't saving it or they weren't saying, oh, I need to put this aside for college or tithe or, you know, this money is just not all quote unquote mine. And I don't think we've built in them this mindset of, oh, no, you can't spend everything you have. And also, what are you spending it on? They spend a lot of their money on food and junk food, <laughs> specifically junk food and restaurants. And it's like just kind of gotten away from us, this whole habit. And so it's a really interesting what you, the foundation that you build them on is when they're first grade, fifth grade, eighth grade, and the kinds of things that they do with their money when they get allowances or they get, you know, money as, as gifts from for birthdays and whatnot. And that it all starts way back then. It's this whole sense of, well, you don't just. Well, it's the hard easy. Again, it's. I think that part of my parenting style when my kids were younger was I want to protect them from harshness and I want them to feel comfortable and I want them to enjoy life and have soft, comfortable, satisfying experiences. And I'm willing to put money towards that and protect them from a sense of scarcity and harshness. I know that, honey. Did you know that about me? I know that. Yes. So, <laughs> and this is where I say right around Christmas or the three months before 
you do the creative deprivation where you deprive them of things that are normal so that when they get their Christmas gifts, it's really awesome. It's like not allowing your kids food four hours before they eat so that they really enjoy your cooking. Well, Thomas Aquinas said that, uh, he was quoting Aristotle, that what is gained without effort is retained without care. And when kids gain, our kids gain easy access to dollars to go do fun stuff, it's so easy to spend it, right? They, they don't retain it with a sense of care. But if they think that the only money they get to spend on fun stuff is the stuff that, the money that they earned through their hard work, and if it's for younger kids through their efforts to you know, be helpful around the house, they'll learn quickly, oh, this is painful. I can't go do that because I spent my money on this, on talkies, right? <laughs> uh, and so, I, yeah, there, there's a lot there. There's a lot there. Let's go into another one. I okay. Wanna, I want to talk about food, knowing how to cook. Because knowing how to cook is more than just knowing how to cook. It, it opens up into the much bigger conversation of how do you eat healthy? How do you eat well? How, how does eating impact your life? I love when um, Mary Grace comes home because she does a lot of her own cooking and she's able to even help me in the kitchen, even though I've been doing this a while. And then her her palate or what she likes to eat is so varied compared to what we have at home. And so it's really nice to see that flavor added back to us. And I guess as more of our kids start to cook and live on their own, and I imagine this with families that are, um, they have older kids that have moved out, that you really get to experience the giftedness of your children in the kitchen, especially when it's not your strong point. Uh, well, my, my strong point or your strong point? My you strong, your point. strong point. Yeah. Yours. Let's own it, dear. Let's own I'm not it. owning this. Well, and, and you know, here's the thing. I think there are some families where the mom really enjoys cooking or baking, and the, some of the kids join in on it, and they also end up enjoying it as well. Isn't that right? No. Or am I making that up? No, that doesn't happen ever. Uh, <laughs> well, I just, it's it just like, I'm just thinking about it, and I'm like, hey, wait a minute, we've got four girls Four oldest kids are girls, and I don't think any of them ever were like, hey, mom, let's cook dinner together. They love to bake. So kids will naturally eat baked sweets, cookies, bars, treats, caramel popcorn, anything that is that they're like craving, especially sweets. It's an easier, they'll they'll do all the baking. And the great thing about today, we're so blessed. They can look up, like just the other day we had Thanksgiving and my daughter had to make the jello, the raspberry jello. So I handed her the phone. I go, here, watch the video. <laughs> Let me know if you need any help. And she's 10. So you can, your kids can. Liliana made that? Yes. Wow, and you she can. she did a great job. You, you can go super fast. I was going to say, honey, that was the best jello you've ever made at Thanksgiving. <laughs> we, I just enjoyed it so much. Because um, of all the cooking shows, like I love America's Test Kitchen because it explains to you all the questions I have. It answers all your questions before you ask that. We've never watched that together. For some weird reason, I watched it the other night and I haven't seen it in like several years. But they have this cookbook that they send out that's amazing. It was at Costco several years ago and then one of the gals took it from me and so I haven't seen it. But they just have these very tutorial um, cooking shows and it really goes into all the reasons you do what you do. And it, and then you're really hungry and then you want to make something really yummy, which is great. Yeah. But anyhow, so nowadays you can learn to cook just by watching tons of videos. Mm-hmm. I don't think I need to show my kids all the details, but it's mm-hmm. nice to work together in the kitchen. And we talked about this earlier. When you're making a meal or you're putting together a feast, it's time together 
working and then you get to enjoy it. And so there is a way in which it builds family, you know, camaraderie and togetherness. Well, let's stick to the Mary Grace story. She This kind of links together the first two life skills because she's on a real tight budget. So she gets food from the food pantry, you know, and basically it's, well, I, I eat what there is. And, and if I don't have money, I'm having beans or like, what was she saying she had? She like five <laughs> days in a row, she was just having like dried beans and it was some kind of horrible food. She would, she ate the most odd combination of foods. It was like horseradish and soy sauce with pickles and cucumbers and one other like chicken in it or rice. And she was explaining to us, you know, how she will just go without, but she's very not fussy. Like she yeah. doesn't have this, oh, I'd never, she's very um, open to eating whatever. And so that's a gift, yeah. you know, to be able to be that um, flexible. Well, and I know that, uh, let's contrast that. We have Mary Catherine at Franciscan and she has a meal plan. And so it's just yee-haw, free for all in the cafeteria. But she doesn't eat. Doesn't eat a lot of that food. She won't go to the cafeteria much. Yeah. Yeah. But we still have to pay for that food. Now, now that we're back to budget and food again, there we go. <laughs> I know. All right. So, Carrie, do you want to go to the third one? Uh, you want to guess? Which, which, what else do you have on your list? Because I'll, I'll go to the next one here. Unless I, you want to bring something else up about the food. Well, I, just to say, we really didn't cover it. And I don't think that it's my strong point. So I'm not giving anybody any advice, <laughs> except it needs to be covered. I mean, there are simple things like how do you boil water? How do you prep water for tea? Or melting butter in the microwave versus not. Or I'm just trying to think off, off the cuff. Some things, or for me, it's a lot of hacks. Like how do you multiply a salad, or how do you multiply food? Because we're on a budget, and we also want well, to then ha- it's eat always healthy. Like shop at Winco and Costco for food, right? I mean, <laughs> I it, like that's kind of smart. But I would say that uh, I, I'm surprised you didn't bring up. When you eat healthy, you'll have more energy. When you eat junk, you're gonna you're gonna hit those sugar crashes, and you're not gonna feel good. And you're gonna it's gonna impact your weight and your shape, and 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 that's gonna impact your self esteem. And I don't, right? yeah, you don't even go there. I, it's, unfortunately, I don't as a mom, and I think I didn't realize because I was always in shape and I loved to run or work out. I was never it was never an issue for me my figure, I guess. Mm -hmm. And that is an issue for some women. And so I think they would emphasize it a lot more in their home because they had this fear of, I just don't want my kids to have to struggle with that. And I think I realized too late, oh, I just worked really hard so I could eat whatever. And I didn't um, train or teach my kids, oh, this is really important that we eat very healthy. So (laughs) I don't know. It's just not been my thing. The nice thing is, though, some of my girls have come back and they're helping us with, you know, our food habits or how do you eat more healthy. It's not that we're not eating healthy in the house, but I don't think the kids value it the way that it would be valued in other homes. Yeah. Yeah. Some some homes that we know, they are very uh, like disciplined around food. And I think that if we brought in a spiritual dimension, fasting... When you restrain yourself from unhealthy foods or even just certain amounts of food, it does, it, it's hard, you know, it's a difficult thing, but it does lead to a greater sense of spiritual lightness and frankly, at a grace builds on nature, at a human level, 
actually more energy rather than less. That's the funny thing. And I think it's important to realize that when you eat healthy, it takes more time and effort to prep all that food. It's super easy to eat convenient food because it's quote unquote convenient. It's easy. And I don't think the kids realize, oh, to make a salad and all the the prep or, you know, if you do tacos or just something that's more yummy, that takes more um, preparation is actually going to be typically more healthy for you. Yeah, that's a good point. All right. So Carrie, uh, do you have one? Or I, I'll get the next one here if you want. Uh, the one, the third one on my list. Yeah. Can you guess my list? Or? I have no idea. <laughs> chores. Oh, how to do chores. Okay. <laughs> how to clean the house, of course. Well, you know what? That's probably this third one. Be a self-starter. Uh, no. <laughs> Only because I can have my kids sit for an hour and a half after I've given them their chore list. Okay. <laughs> um, being a self-starter is really interesting it's it's a temperament, and it's also uh, a lot of teaching. And then at some point, kids have to own their own life and own their own time. So once my son finally cared about how his shoes looked, he started cleaning them and polishing them and, and shoe shining them. But he never cared for many, many years. Or um, that's just a simple example of it's hard to get your kids self-started when they don't want to do what's in front of them. They don't really care they have no care for it. And I'm trying to impose my care on the fact that I want them to vacuum <laughs> the rug or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And so it's such a tricky combination to not become a nag and not to become burdensome and um, serve in a way that's loving, but also co- require them to step up. Like just tonight, I know we're t- recording this early. Um, my son wanted, what did he want? He wanted to open up some ginger ale stuff because it's St. Nicholas. It was a, one of the St. Nicholas gifts they got. And you were, first you have to shovel, because we have a lot of snow. You need to go shovel the driveway first. And then I was, you need to load the dishwasher. It's his job. Um, but he, last night he came home and he never did his job. And so you were up this morning early getting the kitchen all clean because they were, uh, for different reasons, they didn't do it, but they could have done it. It wasn't, and I asked him to do it multiple times. So I did tell him, you're not going anywhere on Friday. <laughs> I do not need to work this hard to have you do your chores. And it's so silly. He's like a teenager. This is not... This should not be happening, but just to say self-starter. So where in that whole conversation of chores and him not doing it and just kind of lackadaisical about it, do you motivate kids to take action? Yeah. Well, you've heard me use Augustine's like sort of famous guidance on that. He said, the person who does what is right because it's commanded as a slave, the person who does what is right because it's good is free. And the path that we have as parents is to bring our kids from slavery to freedom. And the way we do that is by having them do what is truly good. Even if it's a sacrificial good, it's going to create goodness in them. And, and they'll, so even though they start off doing it in a slave like manner, they actually become freed by doing the good thing. Yeah. I think this is where family meetings really help because there's so many things that we're talking about right now that need to be conversations that are in a, and it's a lot easier for us to have that conversation with five kids or seven kids versus one at a time. And then to be a little bit more organized in what conversations are we having with yeah. them. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, Carrie, we're up against a break. When we come back, we're going to continue working our way through some of these principles, uh, life skills, sorry, life skills for kids uh, and applying them to what's going on in our home. Back in a minute. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Kern along with my lovely wife, Carrie, and we are talking about 
life skills for kids. Kids will need in order to be successful. You know why they say self-starters needed? They're saying that employers are complaining recent graduates, college graduates, need step-by-step instructions to complete even the smallest task because they grew up in households where parents managed their schedule and hovered over every task. Does that sound right? Yeah, I've heard that. That uh, It's not our house. Well, no, not necessarily. But when you're involved in school and academics, it takes a lot of effort. And then you're doing a sport. Pretty soon you're out of the loop. And mom is just, okay, I'll get the din- dinner ready. I'll do your laundry. we got to get you to the next practice. And they spent, some of these kids that are um, college graduates, spend a lot of time, me time, uh, doing those two activities and pouring a lot of time into it. I don't think they're sitting around doing nothing. Um, and it also depends on the kid and uh, in the whole mentality of the culture, which is kind of what we're all facing. I don't think, yeah, yeah, I think it's, it's a crisis right now with how kids are seeing themselves. Okay. Next two. All right. You ready? The next two on this list of these 16 skills, life skills for kids. Let me guess. Oh, really? Okay. Go ahead. Tools. How to use tools? No, no, no. How to talk to strangers. What? And how to manage time, time management. Oh, time management is big. So I need, which, which I need one of those do you I want to talk need about? to learn that. Talk to strangers. Talk to strangers is, it's not like, oh, if, if someone approaches you, hey, you want some candy, little girl? No, it's how do you talk You're to right. professors, coaches, advisors, landlords, store clerks, managers, Actually, co-workers. that's a good one because I know, like if I hand the phone to my son to call somebody, he gets panicked or even my daughter and they had to, he had to figure out how to drive, sign up for his drive and he had to call the, the driving school. And, he was fine with it, but there's a couple of my kids I know would not want to call and ask questions and try to figure stuff out. And they don't know the right questions to ask because I'm listening to the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, so actually, that is a skill. That's a good point. I don't know, like, how can you, you really don't overhear your kids talking to adults unless it's on the phone. So Getting instruction as far yeah. as getting information. I do make my kids call, like, you just need to call them and, like, ordering pizza or... I'm trying to think when they call. So do you do, well, so I, I've done a lot of sort of communication training for executives and, and my, my whole career is communication, right? Especially in the consulting coaching world. And a lot of what I'll do is I will do, um, I'll do some role playing with them. Like, okay, let's, let's imagine this is happening right now. Go. And whether it's like preparing them for. Interviews. Interviews. You've done that, I know. Right. Really or helpful. even. Well, for instance, um, one of our kids had a bad practice at basketball, and he was discouraged. I said, "Coach your, te- uh, coach your text, <laughs> text your coach. It's contagious. Text your coach." And well, why would I do that? And I said, "Well, send him a message that you recognize that you didn't do that well, that you wanted him to know that that's not who you are as a player, and that you're going to really shine and, and be at your best the next time that you're." Uh, the next time that he sees you play. And and why would I do that, Dad? And I said, you want to convey this to your coach, that you're aware and that you're not settling for it, that you're committed to improving. I said, do you know the impression that's going to give your coach? It, and it's an authentic one. It's not a fake one. You're not trying to schmooze the coach. Yes. And uh, what he said, okay, well, and he started to type it all out. And I wanted to say some words. He says, Dad, that's not how I speak. Let me do it. <laughs> Go, John Mark. <laughs> Which was great because... No, this is just the other night. Yeah. Did he 
respond, the coach? He did. He didn't. It, the funny thing was, John Mark, the next time I saw him, he said, hey, the coach texted me back. And he didn't read it to me, but he just, he said, he gave me the gist of what the coach said to him. So I, I'm like, that's good. That, that, you know, this wasn't not, it doesn't really rise to the level of crucial conversation. Have you heard of that? Sure. Crucial conversations. It's a kind of a famous book for um, people in business to know how to have high stakes conversations well. Oh, no, I don't know that book. Yeah. So, but the concept you get. Well, he's only in high school, so you, that's where you're going to start, or in grade school. I know I help the kids with texting, because sometimes they'll want to get together with a friend, and they'll go on my phone, and we typically don't call people. I call a couple of people, but they don't know what to write or how to text it. And I always say, say first of all, say, this is Luciana, <laughs> so they don't think I'm sending this goofy message. No. Um, but that's one way we help them that probably didn't happen, you know, 10 years ago. Yeah. And I think that this is one of the gifts of the school they go to, right? At, at the Oaks, this classical Christian school, they put great emphasis on how to be an appropriate, godly young man or woman, and how do you present yourself? So expectations around how you show up more than just communication. It's how yes. you show up in the classroom. You're in your seat. You're ready to study when the bell rings. You're ready to study. So there's no wasted time and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So they, they are very strong on creating a discipline, a way of being in the classroom. And a lot of it is how you show up, how you speak. And, and there's a lot of taking ownership too. There's a lot of accountability, right? If you fall short, you're expected to go up and own it, ask for forgiveness. You receive grace, and then you move on. I think that's a really hard one for me is how do I help my kids apologize to an adult or to an uh, employer? Or a peer. Or a peer. Well, I'm thinking it's more intimidating for, so this is about kids communicating up, right? How to talk to strangers. Strangers. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's important that sometimes they um, kind of go through this really uncomfortable, hard uh, experience. Just, how about this? The person who's checking out the food, you know, the the, the, ca the, the cashier store? at a grocery store, right? I'll notice that um, at least one of my kids will engage that person. Oh, hey, how are you? How's your day going? And I, I like that. I, I like that. And I don't know if I, we model that to some extent. I think extent. we model that a lot. So I think that's sort of caught, but it can also be taught. Yeah. So. Interesting. Time management, dear. That is so. <laughs> that's a big deal. It's huge. Right? I think it's more important than cooking. Or I would say money. Well, money management, you kind of have the gift and you get it and you're natural at it or you just struggle. I don't, I don't think. Well, let's just stand, let's stand time management. Yeah. So <laughs> since we're going backwards. Yeah. So time management is about, um, again, let's go to Aquinas. Aquinas says that human beings, um, when they're acting as authentic human beings, they are intentional. And intentional means that they have a goal in their mind that they're tending towards. So I envision where I'm going in these actions. And then that will manifest itself in how I'm shaping my activities. And so time management flows from that, right? So it's, okay, I got up early this morning. Do you know why I got up? I knew I was going to have probably an hour of cleanup in the kitchen. So I got up in time to 
do all of that and not impact my prayer time and, and, you know, the stuff I had to do during the day. That's living intentionally. So you manage your time in a way that says the goals that I have for my day, which are connected to the goals I have for my life, which are connected to ultimately the mission God has for me to be a saint fulfilling my mission. All of that is when the alarm goes off and what do I do when that happens? I think I need to take a time management course. <laughs> or <laughs> it's actually self-discipline. Yeah. Impulsive. Yes. Impulsivity control. Well, and you know, there's all kinds of smart goals and do what's important, not what's urgent and all these other uh, you know, what was that famous book? Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Well, Steve then I, Covey. Yeah. I think part of uh teaching self-management or time management is when there is something at stake on the weekend or an event that kids want to go to. You can help your kids build towards that by saying, okay, what are the five things that needs to happen between now and then? And they typically don't, they know of it, but they don't really think, oh, I need to manage my time because basically kids have a ton of free time. Yeah. They really do. I know they're in school, our kids are in school all day, but it just feels like when we were growing up, we had so much, I felt like I wasted so much of my time growing up, like so much right. just dumb stuff. I, I don't know. That, I think when, if I listened carefully to the voices of those who are at the end of their lives, their biggest regrets are connected to lost time and wasted time. Wasted time. I wasted time. And, and a wasted time is often, it's not that I did nothing. It's that I spent my life energy, my time on things that really weren't that important. And it was often job or, or career. Or it was important, but you couldn't, you gave up two other things that were more important right? that you compromised or you settled for, or you didn't even realize, oh, yep, I should have been doing this with my time. And that's why I think prayer and discernment and asking God to help us with, you know, what's your vision and what's your plan. And so, well, you know, when I work with uh, my coaching clients for all those years and we, once we got through the bigger things, the goal setting stuff, it was like, what's getting in your way from doing the things that are important, not urgent or whatever. And it was, there were too many things. So I did the four D's which was delete, defer, delegate, and then do. So which of the things can you just get rid of? Did you make that up? No. Okay. I don't know who, I don't know where I got it from. <laughs> okay. But, you know, you delete the things that you really don't need to do. You defer the things that can be put off. You delegate the things that you can pass on to the other person. And then, you, then you're left with the things that you need to do. Then you can prioritize among those. So there you go. How's that? Helpful. Yeah. All right. We're up against the break. Back in a minute. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Colonel with my lovely wife, Carrie. All right, Carrie, let's continue on here. We're pushing up, uh, we're, we're pushing through a, a whole bunch. Why don't you um, just read the next three and then we can pick one? Okay. Stand up for yourself, cope with failure, and find a job. Ugh. Oh, that last one triggered you. <laughs> I should have only said two, not three. It is a skill to find a job. And yeah. nowadays, with everything online, it really is talking to strangers. No, no, no. You heard we were at the in the we were in the stands at the basketball game. And were you there when uh, Kathy was talking about? No, I think oh, you guys you had a big long conversation, and I came the well, second game. Yeah, I was. We were talking with um, uh, Ryan. Yes. It was Ryan, Kathy, and I, and we were talking about work and how difficult it is for kids today to get jobs, even kids who are very presentable, know how to talk to strangers. They show up with a resume in hand and they say, hi, I'm interested in a job. It says you have work here. And they'll say, thank you so much. Go apply online. Yes. And they're like, 
but I'm ready to work right now. Is there anybody I can talk to? And they're like, yeah, no, go apply online and someone from, you know, the digital world will be in touch with you and then you can go from there. And so they throw these big obstacles in the way. And Ryan was saying, well, no, I'm looking for that presentable person who takes the initiative and makes the effort and shows up and says, hi, I'm interested in uh, uh, applying for any work. And, and his answer is, can you start tomorrow? Because that's, it says something about that person, right? So finding a job. And then I look at, like, the, I've moved into this whole world of real estate, and it's changed in the last year. A year ago, it was crazy. It's changed in the last three months, four months. Yeah, yeah I'd say that the change happened in May. In May, oh, okay. it changed, and, and then it started going downhill from there, right? As people... <laughs> Well, no, it got less and less and less as, as well, as the school moves on and then a lot of families are just staying put. Until, and so how does that relate to this? Well, then it's a matter of what, what do people who have jobs do to get more clients? Like a lot of folks that are professional services, when it's not just you sit back and, and all the work is coming right through the door for you. Now you have to be strategic. You have to work hard. You've got to be creative. You've got to make some extra efforts and also trust in God. And so a lot of what I've been doing in this last month or two has been, how do I build my business when I'm not as busy with clients? And a, and a lot of also trusting in God. And God's opened up doors that have also required my like full engagement of creative attempts to okay, where's a client? How do I go knock on their door? How do I get in front of them and say, can I be of service to you? I'd love to do that. And, and God has blessed it, but it's also required a, a lot more effort. Yeah, for sure. Do you think you learned that growing up, Tom, or is that your personality? Or It is. It's nature-nurture, right? Nature-nurture. Uh, my dad, super hard worker, but also very entrepreneurial in terms of um, like getting clients, right? So growing in his own construction business um, required a lot of hard work from him. And I know that that was imitated in the home by my mom. And, you know, I, I, how many times have I said this on the radio, just that the gift of hard work, that don't be afraid of hard work, don't quit till the job is done, just do what you have to do. Uh, those kinds of principles exuded, like they just came out of the pores of my dad and mom and I well was, not generation Tom when you say that the whole generation that yeah it was so funny I went, I went to a men's like breakfast and they had a couple of guys there and they said talk about the home you grew up in and what you learned and they all said you just do what you got to do and you work hard right and it's just <laughs> like wait a minute you know my dad I can't believe it it was so interesting that yeah I think it is a, a bit of a generational thing and now they they what do they call the like the the butterflies or snowflakes snowflakes <laughs> butterflies <laughs> similar snowflakes <laughs> referring to like they're just soft and they're not willing to work hard and all of that it's like that's a scary it's a I, I think it's overstated but i think that's a that's a scary because it's it's against our nature we're made to work hard men are made to pour themselves out to do something great and a snowflake life is very unsatisfying it, it, it's it's deadening to the spirit and I think that there is a resurrection that's going to come that will come out of, come from when, when young people are called to give themselves to a noble good, a noble goal. 
uh, and and then they'll step up. That, that that's just my thought there. Yeah. So what were the other two, Carrie? Um, I don't stand up for yourself, and the other one was um, cope with failure. Oh, that's a good. Oh, by one. the way, just hey, pray for my dad. My dad's in the hospital. Uh, he had to go back into the hospital. He is someone that has COPD. He has congestive heart failure, uh, just a, a myriad of conditions. And so a, a few times a year when he gets flu-like symptoms, the fluids will start coming into his lungs and then he has to go to the hospital. So yesterday he went to the hospital and he's there now. And I'm not saying that his life is in imminent danger, but he's of an age. I think at that age, you and, never and know. And such weakened health conditions yeah. that uh, I, I'd appreciate prayers. So if you wouldn't mind praying for my dad, George, I'd appreciate that. And I know we've all been dealing with sicknesses around here. I think we got hit by three different ones. Yeah, yeah. And so coping with failure. Here's something that uh, I think that is so important, and, and it's a mystery. And it's that out of our out of the ashes of our failures have come some of the brightest jewels and gems for our family life. And I'd never wish that those difficulties, I don't want to say tragedies, but difficulties and failures, struggles, struggles, burdens have come, have come the purifying gold of, of a refined faith, a deepened faith and a more courageous faith. So I want to say it's not even so much about coping with failure, but it's not fearing failure as an end, but rather trusting that God is with you even in the midst of the darkest times and in the mystery of how God works, he's going to bring some of the brightest of the light that he brings into your life through a failure. Yes. So I don't know. Do you want to, you want to talk about that at all? Um, you want to stand up for yourself? You want to talk about that? <laughs> What about standing up for yourself? I think it's bottom. It's not near the top, but I think it depends on your child. If you have a someone who is somewhat cowardly or is easily easily led, they're a follower. Here's one though. Okay, so this one says, uh, "How do you ask your boss for a raise? Let a stranger know they accidentally cut you in line, or tell a waiter the bill is incorrect." I'm going to add another one. Tell a waiter that the food that you ordered isn't good. <laughs> send it back. Send it back. Do you do that? You do not. But what do I do? I advocate for you. And I'm not obnoxious about it. No, you're not. But you would just say, well, it's just, it is what it is. I don't like to waste the food. Is I that almost you, feel like... I don't think that... Is yes, it really that? I almost it's, feel that I don't... It's not that you're... It's embarrassing and it's going to delay... It's going to be impractic, Im, impractical or whatever. It's hmm. really more about wasting food. Because you don't even eat it. Sometimes I don't. Yeah. I mean, we've had it taken off our bill. The thing is, the nice thing is we don't really go out to eat anymore. Yeah. So. <laughs> right. Remember back that first one, time management? <laughs> no, no. That was the money management. <laughs> money yeah. management. I don't know what it is. We yeah. just, I, this last year, it's just slowed way down with not only going out to eat, but um, there's something else that I've realized that we don't do much of anymore. And it was just odd. I was not. I was surprised by it. It has to do with the pandemic and, and inflation and stuff. Okay, I, last couple. Do right. laundry, under, uh, practice personal hygiene, and be organized. You know, this and is clean really and take care of a house. This is really hard for me to hear all these because 
these are the things, the silly things that I wake Drive up. safely in car maintenance. Wow. Learn I, to swim. Use a map. Are you Take listening to your wife? Listen no, I'm to so your wife. I'm reading through all these. <laughs> okay, go ahead. We'll only I, have a minute left. So, like just simple things like hygiene or doing laundry or um, putting your kids out there, and they don't know how to do some of these simple things. And I think, how? And then it falls on me. Why did I not teach them? How did they not know well, this? Why didn't you? It is I on you. <laughs> It's so silly. I literally had to take my girl's sheet, their bed sheet, and bring them into the laundry room and show them as I scrubbed it in the in the sink and then wrung it out, the dirt, the, the color of the water. <laughs> I was like, this is like a brownish. I said, you need to actually wash your sheets. And I don't know, think, time just marched on and I forgot and I didn't realize how dirty that was until the covers were pulled back. I'm going, oh, you guys need to wash your shit. So the little things like that, but I do do the laundry during our family meetings. Do you remember the ones where I showed yeah. them how to get stains out and how yep. to, but I don't know, Tom, there's so many ways in which you hear this list and as a, as parents, we could feel it doesn't. I give myself a lot of mercy. They're I'm fine. Like, well, they're we got fine. Nine kids in twelve years. They're gonna be fine. This is my rationalization. Well, no, if they eat too much junk food, or they don't know, they get lost, or they don't stand up to a stranger, or they struggle to get a job. These are all. A lot of these lessons are learned through failure, through struggle, through not through practice. It's caught and taught. Yeah. And and I think that one of the lessons that is coming out of this for us is. I think we've relied a lot on the caught part and we need to be more attentive to the taught part and kid by kid, situation by situation, focus in on some of those. Well, Carrie, it's been a really interesting hour. Thanks for uh, walking with me through these. Well, we got through most of them. Nice uh, job. These life skills. All right. God bless you guys. Join me on Monday for another program. <laughs>